Fall Brawl War Games took place on September 14, 1997 in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Around 12,000 fans attended the event while a reported 148,000 fans bought the show on pay-per-view, the lowest WCW buy rate since Spring Stampede. WCW vs NWO Warfare continues to dominate the main event spots in World Championship Wrestling and still, at this point in 1997, fans couldn't get enough of it. Still, plenty of non-NWO matches take place at the show and we're gonna start off with the Cruiserweight Championship match. Chris Jericho defends against Eddie Guerrero. Eddie's been wanting to face Jericho for a few weeks, he's been trying to get Chris's Nitro opponents to give up their matches and let Eddie take over, but Guerrero's had no luck. So tonight, he gets the chance to finally face the Lionheart and potentially win the Cruiserweight belt. The competitors make their entrances and the crowd begins chanting Eddie sucks, he can't stand it. Jericho pulls off an arm drag and immediately Eddie complains to our favourite referee Mark Curtis, but Mark's not gonna fall for such nonsense. After trading a few headlock takedowns, Eddie once again complains about hair pulling and it's getting the right reaction, fans are booing Eddie for stopping the action. Eddie takes a fantastic bump from a simple shoulder block and he crawls to Mark Curtis, you'll get no sympathy here tough guy. Eddie then pulls Chris's hair while on the mat but he gets frustrated when Chris pulls off another arm drag. Eddie's then able to do a little damage in the corner but he keeps falling for the arm drags, just one of Chris's 1004 holds. The match goes down to the mat and Chris applies the arm bar, another one of Chris's 1004 holds, and Jericho keeps focus on the arm while Eddie does his best to try and escape. Chris counters a Mahistral cradle with one of his own and Chris goes right back to the arm. The crowd chant we want sting and boring. Absolutely nothing wrong with submission wrestling but it's also the first match on the card, Jericho's taking it to the mat more than usual too. They almost get the crowd back after Jericho drops Guerrero on the top rope and he hits a lion salt but for whatever reason, it's straight back to the mat where Chris applies a key lock, he moves to another arm bar and it's absolute silence in the arena. The crowd are almost relieved when Eddie gets out and he snaps Jericho's neck across the top rope. Guerrero hits Jericho with a few drop kicks to the back, he whips Chris to the corner and then it's back to the mat with Eddie pushing his knees into Jericho's back while wrapping his hands around the chin. Eddie then goes for a surfboard but he modifies it with a dragon sleeper before moving back to the chin lock. The two men eventually get to their feet but Guerrero puts Chris right back down and we see the senton from the apron. Eddie locks in the gory special, Chris counters with the same move and the crowd makes some noise when Eddie gets slammed to the mat. Eddie moves out of the way during Jericho's running clotheslines and he walks the ropes, Chris ensures there will be no latino heat tonight and Chris hits his springboard dropkick before attempting a powerbomb from the apron. Guerrero holds on so Jericho drops him on the top rope. Back in the ring Jericho performs an excellent release German suplex but Eddie gets a foot on the ropes during the cover. Guerrero then counters a powerbomb with a sambo suplex but it isn't enough, Chris throws Eddie across the ring from the corner and the match ends with Chris hitting two powerbombs before setting Eddie on the top rope. Guerrero then tries to shift his weight to counter a suplex with a crossbody but fuck this could have been bad, looks like Eddie almost landed on his neck. Still, Eddie climbs back upstairs, we see the frog splash and Eddie Guerrero is the new cruiserweight champion. I enjoyed this match but I can see why fans in attendance maybe didn't. The competitors flipped the script to present a much more grounded and technical match to start us off and the action got ramped up towards the end. Fans were maybe expecting an all out fast paced typical cruiserweight contest here and they didn't get it. Still, I thought it was good but I'd maybe put this on second or third.
That little genius who types like fuck while staring deep into the eyes of professional wrestlers is back and he's relaying some questions to Double J. Jarrett doesn't have time for this, he's got a match with Dean Malenko coming up, so Double J breezes through his answers and our guy here can get back to playing lemmings. Next up, Harlem Heat took on Rick and Scott Steiner. These two teams are feuding over the number one contendership for the tag titles. Both teams believe they should face the outsiders, so hopefully this one settles it. I'm pretty sure Harlem Heat are still owed a title shot from months ago that they didn't receive. Maybe it happened on WCW Saturday Night, I don't know. This is a match we have seen a few times already on Reliving the War, but it's never not fun watching these guys suplex each other around the ring. It was pretty much all Rick and Scott to begin with. Booker landed a spinning heel kick that stopped the onslaught, but Stevie Ray came in and he took the Rick Steiner catch par slam. Scotty came back in, but he quickly ended up on the outside. It looked like Jackie was going to get in a few shots, but it didn't happen. Stevie Ray decided to wrap a cord around Steiner's face and neck instead. Booker applied a good old chin lock and he hit a nice jumping forearm afterwards. Scott then countered a spin kick with a back suplex, and Rick got the hot tag afterwards. Rick was doing a good job taking care of both Booker T and Stevie Ray, but a heat seeker stopped wrecking his tracks. Scotty got back in the ring and Stevie took a lariat and suplex double team move, and that was the final move of the match. The Steiners win via pinfall. This victory should give Rick and Scott another shot at the tag titles, but we'll see what happens. Grab your lube and prepare your ass. It's time for Das Wunderkind. Oh, big blood was. Ultimo Dragon gets another shot at the TV title when he faces Dad's Wunderkind, Alex Wright, a guy who truly came into his own in WCW after turning heel. Alex panders to the crowd after hitting a body slam and Dad's Wunderkind's making Dragon look like easy work. A bit of dancing gets interrupted with a dropkick and Alex rolls out of the ring after a drop toe hold. Alex takes a little time to regroup and when the match resumes we get some sweet wrist lock counters from both the champion and the challenger. Alex applies a side headlock and he's determined to keep it locked in as long as possible, but Dragon gets out, Alex takes a hard slap to the chest when he mistimes a leapfrog, and Dragon botches a jumping wheel kick when Alex is at the ropes, he missed it by a mile. Alex instead takes a sidekick and he falls out of the ring. Dragon gets dropped on the top rope when the match starts up again and Wright brings the pain in the corner. Alex then shows Dragon how to pull off a jumping wheel kick properly, and then Dragon takes a pancake. Wright then decides to bring it down with a sleeper. The crowd chants for Dragon as he manages to get out, but but Alex eventually locks it in again, and the crowd aren't chanting for Dragon the second time around, they've gone silent. Alex hits a side suplex when the two get back to their feet, he then performs a snap mare, and there it is, three sleepers. Alex hides sleeper heart. Dragon can't believe it, three sleepers, what the hell? So he hits a crossbody, he lays in a few kicks, but it doesn't work. Alex brings it down to the mat again, and it's a chin lock this time. When they get back up, Alex puts Dragon down with a knee to the midsection, and... Alex hides sleeper heart. <laughs> Four sleepers in one match. When the two get back up, Dragon tries to pin Alex, but he gets distracted by a wonderful view during some Saturday Ride Fever. Dragon snaps out of it and he goes for a pin, but he only gets a two count. Dragon counters a suplex, Wright counters an aerial attack. Alex then makes the exact same mistake as his opponent, so Dragon kicks the shit out of Daz Vunderkind. Alex ends up on the outside, we see the Asai Moonsault, and back in the ring, Dragon performs a Hurricane Rana, but he can't capitalize afterwards. 
words. The two throw strikes at each other while on the mat. Dragon tries to go to the top, but Alex hits a dropkick that sends Dragon out of the ring. He follows this up with a plancha, but back in the ring, Dragon lands a double underhook suplex and a tiger suplex. Alex keeps kicking out. Dragon tries to end it with a top rope Dragonsteiner. Alex thinks he has it countered, but Dragon flips over and he performs a power bomb. This and a moonsault still aren't enough to put the resilient Alex right away. Alex drop kicks Ultimo Dragon out of the air, but Dragon remains focused. He takes control again and he manages to hit that Dragonsteiner. He applies the Dragon Sleeper, but Alex gets to the ropes. Dragon tries to apply it again from the standing position, but Alex counters with a jawbreaker before hitting the German suplex, the move that was named after Alex Wright himself, don't you know? Das Wunderkind leaves Fall Brawl, still holding the TV title after winning via pinfall. Not a bad match, but we've seen better from both guys. It's still worth a watch even with the multiple sleeper holds. Mean Gene Okerlund tries to plug the WCW hotline, but the NWO walk by. They then walk back and they're laughing about something and Mean Gene gets curious. He enters the room the NWO just left and there lies Kurt Hennig. Looks like the boys got him. Kurt's scheduled to represent the Horsemen later in war games and it looks like the NWO are giving themselves an early advantage. Back in the arena, we have a grudge match, Double J Jeff Jarrett vs Dean Malenko. This match stems from Double J walking out on Malenko at Road Wild. Jarrett used Dean to try to get at the Horseman and Malenko's now out for revenge. Deborah McMichael got sent to the back by Jarrett but it didn't matter, she still came out towards the end of the match. And I was kinda surprised when I checked the runtime for this match, it's 15 minutes and practically nothing happens. The first part of the match is all time wasting, Double J showing off and strutting, all that nonsense. Jarrett complains to the referee a lot after getting hit, but the difference between Jarrett doing this and Eddie Guerrero doing the same thing is the fact that Eddie was still going hard in between the complaints. It just feels like a time wasting tactic here. Honestly, it isn't until the halfway point when Dean starts firing up, but the action comes to a stop again and in the final third of the bout, they lock up like it's the start of the match. Anyway, towards the end, Dean locks in the cloverleaf but Jarrett gets to the ropes. Deborah then shows up immediately afterwards and this makes me think she was supposed to already be there when Dean locked in the finisher. Malenko performs a baseball slide. Dean stays on the attack, softening up Jarrett for another cloverleaf but Double J hits a back elbow and now it's time for Jarrett to target the leg. A ring post shot seems to do no damage at first but as the match progresses it slows Dean down. Jarrett gets the opportunity to perform a chop lock and Double J locks in the figure 4. Dean gives up and this means Double J is the number 1 contender for the US title. I don't know what it is tonight but the singles matches have been a little slower than normal. Kevin Nash pretends to cry and walk off after hearing the awful news about Kurt Hennig. He comes back laughing though as the NWO say the horsemen will get put out of action tonight. Nash says the NWO always have a plan and tonight's plan is a doozy. The boys take turns talking about finishing the four horsemen tonight and they mock the Arn Anderson promo once again when they say it'll be an honour to end the legacy of the horsemen tonight on pay per view. Our next match is another tag team encounter, the faces of fear versus Mortis and Wrath. 
It starts off with some back and forth from Mortis and the Barbarian. Barbarian gains the advantage before tagging in Ming, and Ming fucks Mortis up big time. Mortis dodges a corner splash, Wrath gets tagged in, and we get a good old fashioned fight in the corner. Wrath hits a second rope lariat, giving Mortis a great chance to get a little payback on Ming, but in comes the Barbarian and we see the backdrop powerbomb from the faces of fear. A pump handled slam from the Barbarian doesn't end the match, but Mortis probably should have stayed down because the faces of fear completely wreck him in the corner afterwards. Ming comes in, Mortis tries his best to put the big man down, but Ming grabs the wrist and Mortis takes multiple chops to the chest. Why he keeps getting back up, I have no idea. Vandenberg stops the Barbarian from launching off the top rope. We think it's ineffective, but it gives Mortis enough time to get a boot up and Wrath comes in with a pump kick. We then see the neckbreaker powerbomb, but Barbarian manages to stay in the match. Mortis does a little damage with the ring steps on the outside. Back in the ring, Mortis and Wrath pull off a fantastic double superplex, but it still isn't enough to end the match. Wrath and Ming go at it again and they beat the hell out of each other. Ming looks like he's got it all under control, but then Vandenberg jumps on the apron and Ming has no choice but to lock in the death grip. Mortis tries to break it up, Ming just can't feel pain right at this moment and Mortis ends up in the death grip too. This right here got the biggest pop of the night so far. Ming completely forgot that the legal man was Wrath and Wrath ends up hitting the death penalty for the win. I actually enjoyed this one more than the Steiners vs Harlem Heat match and that's maybe because we had seen that bout a few times already. Not a bad tag team encounter at all. The horsemen are looking a little worried about the Kurt Hennig attack but the show must go on. Benoit says after tonight the NWO will know what the horsemen are all about. Mongo says there's nowhere for the NWO to run tonight inside the cage and the horsemen are bringing on the apocalypse tonight. And Slick Rick says Hennig may be down but that's the price you pay for being a horseman. Flair puts Mongo and Benoit over before saying the nature boy has more heart, desire, soul and reality in his old tired body than the NWO will ever know. Tonight the new world order pays the price for life. We then get a 5 minute Scott Norton vs Giant match. It starts with the two competitors throwing punches and Giant gets the better of Norton. On the outside, Flash manages to throw the Giant into the ring post but Giant replies by sending Scott into the guardrails. Scott gets back in the ring before Giant and a clothesline sends both guys back to the outside. When the two get back in the ring, Norton pulls off a stun gun, that's a lot of strength right there, and Scott lays in a few elbows from the outside. Scott chokes the Giant at the ropes as Tony Schiavone says someone from WCW should take Kurt Hennig's place tonight in war games, and that makes sense. Big Scott pulls off a few corner splashes and he shows his strength once again with a back suplex. The Giant kicks out, he raises his hand while on the mat, and he performs a kip up. I don't give a shit if he used the bottom rope or not, that's still impressive. The Giant pulls off a drop kick, we see the choke slam, and it's a victory for WCW. It feels like the crowd wanted this, a no nonsense straight to the point match. They were on their feet after the Giant performed the kip up and they popped for the choke slam. Thankfully, the audience seemed to be getting more into the show as it progresses. DDP and Lex Luger have been having problems since Clash of the Champions. Paige hit Luger with a diamond cutter by accident, Luger locked in the torture rack on Dallas on Nitro. The two haven't been getting along and the NWO have used this to their advantage. 
DDP and Lex were supposed to represent WCW in the War Games match later on, but interim commissioner Roddy Piper removed both men from the bout because they couldn't get on the same page. Tonight they have a chance to put it all behind them by taking out Randy Savage and Scott Hall, but the problem here is that this is the third time we have seen this match in the space of a month. Also, Scott Hall's a tag team champion with Kevin Nash. I would have liked this one to feature Hall and Nash taking on DDP and Luger, but for whatever reason, WCW went ahead and they booked this match for the third time. Thankfully though, the end of the match does play out differently, but the beginning does not. It's the Hall and Luger lockups once again where Lex shoves Scott away. As Scott makes his comeback, you notice a bunch of fans have taken their shirts off to show their sick packs to anyone who cares to look. For whatever reason, this match right here made the lads take off their clothes. Macho tries to lend Hall a hand, but it backfires and the heels go down after a double clothesline. Luger dumps Macho on top of Hall, Scott was standing on the outside, and Lex is all fired up tonight at Fall Brawl. The crowd chants DDP, Lex throws up the diamond cutter sign, and Dallas gets tagged in. It looks like this team will have no issues tonight and they'll work well together. Hall works over the shoulder and arm, it's the same as Clash of the Champions. Scott gives us a glorious sell job after an inverted atomic drop and after this, the bad guy gets pancaked. The crowd are going nuts now as Paige hits Savage with a cheap shot but Macho gets a little payback before getting tagged back in. Paige gets dropped over the top rope and Savage taunts Luger before Hall comes back, hitting DDP with a fallaway slam and then the NWO team up to do some damage in the corner. Dallas needs to make the hot tag but Hall and Savage do everything they can to stop that from happening. Hall ends up attacking Luger and the total package gets stuck between the rings. Paige gets launched from one ring to the other and Macho and Liz await to do some damage. Keep an eye on Hall in the background and you'll see the bad guy knocking out Mark Curtis, so we don't have a referee. Mickey J comes out to check on Curtis but he too gets wiped out. Larry Sabisco decides he's not going to sit around and do nothing, so he gets up from the commentary desk and he starts approaching the ring. Scott begs Larry to step inside the ropes and while this was happening, Lex began climbing out of his little chill out spot. Hall's fucking Zabisco around at this point and he doesn't notice Lex behind him. Scott pushes Zabisco, Zabisco pushes back, Lex covers Scott and Larry counts the pinfall. It's another win for WCW. Hall can't believe what just happened. He's been bullying Larry for a while now on Nitro but Zabisco stood up for himself and the crowd loved it. Also looks like all issues between DDP and Lex Luger have been resolved. Too many spots in this match were the same as the previous encounters these four had but the finish was still fun. You wouldn't mind too much if you didn't watch the last Clash of the Champions show. Doesn't make much sense either that Larry Zabisco could count a pinfall but oh well. Arn Anderson made an appearance on Nitro and he officially gave up his position in the Four Horsemen, giving his spot as enforcer to Kurt Hennig. Kurt had been indecisive about joining the Horsemen previously but he said it would be a privilege to take over as enforcer. The following week, the NWO mocked Anderson's retirement speech in one of the most memorable promos of the Monday Night War. Kevin Nash made fun of Arn by near enough quoting the whole promo from the week before and the commentators made it out like this was one of the most disgusting things that ever happened on WCW television. The horsemen wanted payback but the NWO dodged the group. That was until Commissioner Roddy Piper decided to remove Lex Luger and DDP from war games and instead the whole four horsemen faction, including Kurt Hennig, were added to the main event. The four NWO guys who made fun of the horsemen would represent the heel faction. 
So it's Horseman versus NWO tonight at Fall Brawl War Games. Remember too, Kurt Hennig was taken out a little earlier on, so we don't know how that's going to come into play. But we go over to Michael Buffer and Michael explains how a War Games match works. It's classic rules tonight. Two guys start, a coin toss decides the third entrant after five minutes. The teams then take turns every two minutes until everyone's in the ring. The match beyond begins and the only way to win is via surrender or submission. Unlike last year, all the combatants will stand outside the double steel cage until it's their turn to enter the match. The horsemen come out without Kurt Hennig, so it looks like Flair and company are at a disadvantage. Buff Bagwell and Chris Benoit start us off, and even in war games, Buff still has to show us why he's the stuff. Benoit slaps Bagwell, and here we go. Chris completely wrecks Bagwell by throwing him into the cage panels over and over again. Chris suplexes Buff into the cage too. Chris goes for a diving headbutt, Bagwell moves out of the way, and now it's Chris's turn to get thrown into the cage. The crowd chants We Want Sting as Bagwell lands a dropkick. The factions then gather around the referee for the coin toss as Bagwell backbody drops Benoit into the cage. And in typical war games fashion, the heels win the coin toss. It'll be a member of the NWO that hits the ring next. Benoit starts fighting back, Conan then enters war games, and Chris does a good job at first keeping his two opponents at bay. A DDT from Conan though completely stops Chris's momentum. Benoit needs help and all he can do is wait it out. The clock reaches zero and in comes Big Mongo to even the odds. Instantly, the horsemen turn it around. Mongo hits Conan with his three-point stance tackle, and some double teamwork puts both NWO members on the mat. Benoit and Mongo make the most of their two minutes because a member of the NWO is going to come in next, and it's six. Six thinks this is going to be easy, but Benoit greets him right away and the crowd pops. Waltman gets destroyed early on as Chris throws him into a cage panel, while Big Mongo makes Six hit the cage ceiling. This looked great. Conan ends up grabbing Mongo and this allows the NWO to get back in control. With the big man neutralized, the NWO can use the numbers to their advantage, but they only have a minute before Slick Rick enters war games. Kurt Hennig then shows up, his arms in a sling. Rick checks on Kurt and we aren't sure if Hennig's gonna enter this thing. Regardless, Flair's in next and the nature boy makes all the difference for his team. Rick and the horsemen dominate the next two minutes and they make the most of it before there's an NWO 4 on 3 advantage. Kevin Nash looks ready to go, the clock reaches zero and just like Flair before him, Big Sexy instantly turns the match around and it's all NWO. Nash takes out Flair, he then makes easy work of Benoit and Mongo gets a big boot while Buff Bagwell laughs at the camera. Going by what the commentators say, Kurt Hennig is going to join this match and the horsemen are going to need him in there really badly. The horsemen manage to keep the NWO in check but it won't last long. Benoit's punishing Conan in the corner, Flair has the figure 4 locked in, the clock reaches zero and it's time for the match beyond. Kurt Hennig has brought some handcuffs to the ring, the crowd pops when he pulls them out, but then the fans are stunned when Kurt begins attacking the horsemen. Kurt gives handcuffs to Kevin Nash and Conan, and then the crowd realizes that Hennig has just joined the New World Order. Kurt throws lefts and rights at Ric Flair and he gets some help from his new teammates. The NWO then cuff Benoit and Mongo, and Kevin Nash wants a microphone. As Hennig rips up his Four Horsemen shirt, Nash asks Benoit if he wants to surrender. Benoit spits on Nash. Kevin then asks Mongo and Flair if they want to give this up and both say no. Nash hits Flair with a jackknife and he again asks Benoit and Mongo if they want to give it up. The Horsemen don't want to stop the match but that might change or Ric Flair could end up badly hurt. 
Blair gets his head draped over the apron and Kurt's about to slam the cage door into Rick's skull. Nash tells Benoit and Mongo they can save the nature boy if they quit and Mongo says stop it. Steve has just surrendered in order to save the leader of the four horsemen but Kurt slams the door anyway. Hennig gets back in the ring to celebrate with the new world order. Kevin Nash announces that this is the death of the horsemen and it happened in their own backyard. This is how the show ends, the NWO have destroyed the four horsemen and it was all thanks to Kurt Hennig. The war games match was just okay, it had a few good moments but it's nowhere near the best and it's not the worst either. Just when we thought the horsemen were back in business, the NWO completely destroyed them. The next episode of Nitro should be interesting and we'll check that out next week. Fall Brawl 97 all in all wasn't my favourite WCW pay per view of the year either with quite a few matches dragging on in places. The crowd wasn't that hot for the show and when watching this all back there's nothing that really stands out as a must see match. I liked Jericho vs Guerrero but it was a shame that fans in attendance didn't really get into it and they didn't really enjoy it all that much. WWF Ground Zero was better, if I had to choose one I'd probably pick Ground Zero over Fall Brawl. Thanks for watching this one though guys, join me as usual next week and we'll check out what happened on Nitro and we'll see what the WWF were up to as they continue building towards one night only and bad blood. Halloween Havoc is the next WCW pay per view on the calendar and all being well, we'll take a look at that one too when the time comes. Hope you enjoyed this video, a big shout out to Rebel Light for cutting this one up for me and take care.